1: Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Ryanbold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers.
0: And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts.
1: Welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reimbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out you're going to start to learn the Word of God and I'm telling you what what a great opportunity that is we also have a quarterly coming up here and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be it's going to be over in Fairfield Illinois out what we call lovely the corn patch and you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material, and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophets material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't, Already have a fellowship in your area, or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. Six one eight two six two twenty eight ten, and find out more about that. Also, like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Duggert. Last
2: day anointing, and we're going to talk about God's power flowing through us, and that's really what we're interested in, or what we need to be interested in. You know, I I, I find uh, as a minister. I, I find it—I uh, I guess in itself—I find it very, uh, very, very, very interesting as to the whys and the intents of, of people and ministry, and how it is that some people don't realize that, bless God, that the entirety of what God is is power, and that's what He is. Now, now it took power to have resurrected His Son, which He was resurrected from the dead. It took power. For the for the, uh, the Jordan River to open up when Elijah took his tallit and smacked his Talit upon the waters. it, it took power uh, for the iron axe to come up off the bottom of the uh, the river when Elisha spoke that it would come forth and and all the things that we see, the things of the dead being raised, it took power. Now uh, the, the key is is to is to begin to realize that the the kind of power that, that God has, and what it takes to work that power is not quite as tough as we think it to be. I'll never forget early on in my ministry, and the Lord God uh, spoke to me, and He said to me, He said, uh, I, had, I had seen God do a magnificent uh, miracle the night before in a, in a place where I was ministering, and I don't remember exactly what the uh, the, the, the miracle was. But I remember that it was something that was spectacular. I'll I'll say like a deaf ear would have come open or somebody that was blamed that would have walked. And and, and so the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said to me, he said, now he said, how much more power than you watched operate last night with anointing that caused that to happen? Do you think it takes to raise the dead? And I said, oh, a lot more, a lot more power, a lot more power than that. I said, but, but I said, that was power. But I said, the oh, to raise the dead. I said, Lord, it just take a lot more power. And he said, listen to me closely. He said, do you know my, how much power it took for, and I'm just going to say for somebody that was lame to walk. Now, I'm not sure that that was the situation, but we're going to use that. And he said, and I said, uh, I, he said, now listen to me closely because I want you to listen to how much power it took. I'll see if I can get this up. I said, what? He said, no, no, he said, you, you don't understand. He said, see, he said, it took that same amount of power that you just heard to have caused a hangnail to have been healed, as the lame pe- person to have walked, as unto the dead coming forth. And I said, Lord, you're trying to tell me something, but I, 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 I don't comprehend. He said, it's because you don't understand It's the same power. See, you know know when the Lord said, If thou canst but believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. God's not asking you to produce the power. All God's asking you to do is to believe in his power. That's all that he's doing. He's not. He, he's not. He's not in the business of, of us going through thirteen steps of whatever that is to, to, to operate in his power. So I want to begin today to, to 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 speak that to you because I want to get that into your hearts right off, so you can begin to realize that as we we talked about last night that that God does want to use us, that we are anointed vessels from the foundation of this world, and God is waiting on you and I. And that is, that is so important for you to get a hold of. You know, again, we, we, we so often... I, that you, one of the things that I, that I have observed so much is that the same people that seem to be hearing God tell them this and God tell them that and stand up and prophesy and give tongues, interpretation tongues in our churches, the, these same people, when they get sick or they their family gets in a bind, they call me and go, Help! And I'm going huh, I wonder who they think I go to when I need help. Have any of you had me call your homes and say, hear me say, help? No, and you never will. Why? Because I know my way into the throne room. I understand how to approach God. I understand what it takes, bless God, to approach God. So so what it tells me, and and people don't realize out out of their mouths flopping up and down, talking to me, what they really say to me. They don't realize it, or they wouldn't say it. Because the same people often that flop their mouths up and down are trying to impress me about their spirituality. And at the same time, the things that they're saying to me, they're telling me exactly where they live exactly where they live so so the, as i as i keep saying and i, I often say this to, to the to the young ministers that will come to me i always say you know i'll tell you what and am still wasting my time after you raise somebody from the dead call me because that will get me interested in what you're doing and people say well that's cold no it's not see talk is cheap we sat this morning, as uh, some, uh, some some of you sat there with me this morning, and we begin to talk about uh, overseas in the third world. Uh, uh, the demonstration of the power of God's anointing through the name of His Son Yeshua is what does what it does overseas with the multitudes coming. Talk is cheap. The power is what gets their attention. It's the power that causes them to decide to come out of the witchcraft that they are enveloped completely into. And to come out and serve the living God. It is the power of the anointing. So it's the demonstration. You know, Paul said, I didn't come with you, come to you with enticing words, elegant speech. He said, I come to you with the, through the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. That's what Paul said, and that's what God wants you and I to be. There is no reason to do that uh, not to, or not to understand that. Did I tell a story last night about my uh, uh, granddaughter when she was four years old? If I did, somebody shake your head. Oh, good. Uh, my granddaughter, I was demonstrating here in this building, as a matter of fact, about the anointing. And, and and i I, I, I wish that uh, she was four years old and she was here today uh, because it was so meaningful all right uh, and so i I had been diligently teaching the people uh, somewhat along these lines but after after thirty years, believe me, the depths got a bit a bit deeper. But the fact of it is, as shallow as it may have been then, I was trying to teach them about the anointing and how it operated and and, and talking to them about understanding how the, the anointings are passed out by God and not that the anointings do different things and how the anointings are also uh, uh, transferred uh, from one generation to another generation. They're, they're, they're past. And so I'm, I'm talking that way and all of a sudden I, in the spirit realm I'm picking up this, oh, what do you mean they're past business? And so I said, somebody go back in the nursery and get my granddaughter. And so they did, and, and, and I, I, I said, the, uh, the lady was sitting somewhere, and I said, I said, I looked at her, and I said, and I didn't know, God showed me, I said, you have a short leg. Yes, I said, come. She came and sat down, we put her in the front, right about where Joe sat in there today, and put another chair in front of her, shoved her hips back in the chair, and her leg was about that much short on one side. And I said, now, now, now I want to demonstrate to you so you can understand now remember when God said, this is how much power? Finally, well, my... okay. I bring my four-year-old granddaughter, which I happen to know that the, that the anointing of God was in when she came out of her mama's womb. And she came forth, and I said, darling, I said, you know, when you're at Papa's house, how you pray for, the, for your, 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 your doll babies and lay your hand on her head and command her to be healed in Jesus' name. Yeah, Papa, she said, I do. I said, uh, uh, put your hand on this lady's head and pray, cause God's gonna grow this lady's leg. And she didn't. Even, she didn't. Now listen, she didn't say, well, I don't know. I've never seen a leg go. No, no. She just put her hand on the lady's head and said, "In Jesus' name, be healed." That leg just shot out there like that. And everybody going, "Wow!" Now there's two things there. That's in her life. Okay. And I, her old granddad was smart enough to understand the anointing enough to know that it was there. I could have brought out the two more of those grand, grandchildren, and it wouldn't have happened. But I happened to know that it would through her because of where the anointing's at in, in her life. From, the, again, the foundation of the world. Now, what does that say? A four-year-old girl, baby, could perform a miracle. No, she didn't perform anything. God did. All she did was do exactly what she had done with her teddy bearer, with her baby dolls at Papal's house, she just prayed for him in Jesus' name, and the leg grew. The people were astounded. I wonder they didn't go to my son's house and knock on the door to see if she'd pray for him. You know, <laughs> I thought for a while she might have took over the pulpit, <laughs> but you know the fact of the matter is, folks, that's the way that it is. And when you and I can begin to realize that it is not something way off out there somewhere of which we can't, we can't attain, it's something that we have already contained within ourselves, especially those of us that have been filled with the rahakodesh the Holy Ghost. That we, we, now, we now walk in a spatial place. It's like I said last night to you, we are spatial vessels unto God. We are not the back of the train, we're the front of the train. We are the head, not the tail. We are the children of Almighty God. Makes a difference. Let's go to John, the 14th chapter. John 14. John 14. 12th verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father... Now we have discussed, and, I, and that's the indictment that I have against the church, is the fact that the blessed God, that not only we're not even doing the works that He did, we're not even close to the greater works. Nobody would even probably be able to be able to speak in English because we're English-speaking here. The, uh, what, it, what it means to even to say and what those greater works are, but yet our Savior. Uh, Yeshua, the Son of God, he just simply said, and he said, he said, the works that I do shall you do, also, and greater works than these. In other words, he's saying, you're going to do greater works than I did. Now, what did he do? He changed the water to wine, raised the dead, the blind saw, the lame walked, the disease were healed, the devils were cast out. Now, he said, you will do greater works than these. You will do greater works than these. You will do greater works than these. Here we are, folks, 2,000 years later, and we're not even producing the works. This is what I keep screaming at the church about. There has to be something desperately wrong in our believing and our teaching because we cannot produce this on a consistent base at all. What we have to have happen is pastor has to find somebody he hopes he can trust that has some kind of anointing that can come into his church, and I understand when I say his church, I mean that, his church, not necessarily God's church, but his church, and demonstrate some type of the anointing so that the people can believe at least that God is still in the God business, and that's ridiculous. You know why that's ridiculous? Because here's what the Lord said. And whatsoever ye shall ask, the 13th verse, in my name that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He said whatsoever. Did you know what whatsoever means? Anything. Anything. Now some of us are caught up in into such a an adverse place with God that somehow that we, we seemingly begin to believe that, bless God, that, 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 that somehow, that, you know, God's got to be in the right mood and, well, maybe I shouldn't ask God for this because, you know, that. Let me tell you something. God is interested in you. He is interested in everything about you. Not just, the, not just only the, the, the good things, but he's also interested in the bad things. He's also interested in the ugly things. He's also interested, bless God, in in, in what you're interested in. He is interested in us. And the problem is that somehow, some place in time, we have got ourselves into this. And, 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 And part of the problem is the pastoral office. This seems to govern the church, which was never set up by God anyway to be that way, but somehow we, the church, demanded that somebody run the church because nobody else in the congregation wanted to be responsible to have been elders. And by the way, it's the elder's place to make sure that the ministry of the church stays balanced and in line. And it's the prophet's place to come in the church to clean the thing up when it gets out of line. But the fact of it is pastors decided they were going to be all of it and they were going to take all the responsibility and that's the reason that we got things so monkeyed up. Pastors don't don't have the ability within the anointing that's in the, their office to be able to walk in the power of the anointing. They don't have that. That, that is not within the pastoral role. The pastoral role in a church Definitely can be not even a, not even a, 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 a Bema or a pulpit ministry. In other words, a pastor would not necessarily even have to ever darken the door of this pulpit. And people say, oh my, that, 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 that's going to be, well, I'm going to tell you something. Are pastors preachers? Are pastors teachers? Are pastors try at times to evangelize? Don't you now hear pastors trying to be apostles and prophets? They're not all those things. They're only one of those things. They are a pastor. A pastor is an overseer of the flock. They are to guard the flock, to oversee the flock, to guide the flock. Now, somehow, we decided that the pastor was also going to be everything else, and the pastor says, yes, I'll volunteer to be that, and that's about part of the reason why we've got such a mess in the church. I have been in churches where pastors don't even full gospel churches where pastors don't even lay hands on anyone anymore because he knows that nothing ever had happened and nothing's ever going to happen so he asked who amongst us today feels anointed to lay hands on sister Smith and somebody will get up out of the crowd come up and lay hands on sister Smith now there's nothing wrong with that if if in fact God uh, directs you to have uh, somebody come up and do things, and at times God has me have people come and do things. But that isn't the way ministry is conducted. The authority is always in the bema, the pulpit, always. The authority today is standing right here. You're looking at him now. Uh, well, the authority is not out there today. And often in churches, what we have is people believing that you know that that they have the authority that, bless God, that it be led to the Spirit. And I've been in churches where, bless God, the preacher be preaching, and all of a sudden somebody stand up and say, the saith the mouth of God, and start rattling off and the preacher, just stand there and listen and say, Amen, brother, amen, sister, whatever it might be. That's out of order. That's out of order. That, unless you're noticed by the authority, you keep your mouth shut. You sit down. One time in this building, a man came up after service and said to me, he said, Brother Deckard, you know, I've never been here before. I listened to you on the radio five days a week. And he said, I came and he said, usually, my ministry usually is getting up and walking all the way around. And he said, I'd walk in front of the pulpit and round to the back and maybe up the aisle and maybe back around four or five times during services. The Spirit of God would be me. But he said, you know, tonight, he said, I I didn't do that. And I said, I can tell you why you didn't do it tonight. And he looked at me kind of funny. And I said, because you had, I'd have have had you thrown out that side door. And he looked at me, and he said, oh, Brother Deckard, he said, lest God would lead. And I said, let me tell you something. When I'm preaching, you better be led to sit down, shut up, and keep, and just stay right there where you're at. Because I said, I've got news for you. You're not the authority in this meeting. I am. And I said, when this thing's over, and if you want to get to be authority, you go down the street and get you a building, put you a sign out front, then you parade around in front of that pulpit all day long. But I said, don't you come here and do that. Now, the man never came back, and probably rightfully so, because you see that kind never is going to ever come under any and subject themselves to any kind of authority. And that's the reason that I keep saying that when this thing is geared up right and it's going to get geared up right, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to say this a number of times the, today and maybe even tomorrow morning again, the reason is is most of you sitting in this room are grounded in the Word, and I know that. We're not a bunch of babes sitting here. And, I, and that part, I can tell you for a fact, that I am very, very thrilled about. So the fact of it is, we're not going to have to start at block number one, okay? We can start where we're at, and and we're going to get to the place where we're going to understand that there is an order in which ministry is brought up and sent out. And the order isn't, I went to the school, and they gave me a piece of paper and said, I are a preacher. That's not the order. The order is to come up under ministry that can see in and out of the Spirit and be able to understand that what they are doing is bringing you forth and preparing you as you are maturing before God. And that's what ministry is. And I keep saying to the prophets, if you can't and don't set under a prophet, then do yourself and the church a favor. Just don't bother. Because you're going to get out here and you're going to mess things up And then people like me are going to come in and try to straighten something up that probably won't end up getting straightened up at all. Why? Because confusion isn't of God. And what we're trying to do is get the confusion out of the body. Get everybody going on the the same page, going the same way, so everybody can understand the same thing. We're trying to usher in. We're trying to usher in the last move of God on the face of this earth. That is what you're doing here today, that's what I'm doing here today, and that's what I'm doing going city to city across America. I am trying to get the remnant to understand we have got to organize. We're going to either organize or we're going to end up being out here and be no different than the crazy bunch of charismatic people that are running the streets and got churches today. We're going to be just like them. God cannot get done what he wants to do if that's all we're going to get done. It's going to have to go deeper than that. And I don't think there's anybody sitting in this room today that hasn't been through the gauntlet of all this stuff and know exactly what I'm talking about. So I, because I think that you're, you're just like I am. I became very fed up, if I can use that, that terminology, uh, 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 with the church. I became tired. I became sick of the fact that, that, bless God that all we had was a bunch of hot air, a lot of theatrics that was going on, to come in and, 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 and bless God, between the flag, uh, flag wavers, the, the dancers, the music ministry, the people were wore out before the word ever got to them. Wore out! I think I told you last night, I told a few pastors, I said, now, just let me go ahead and preach, and when I get done, then you have your song ministry, and I can go home. And they look at me kind of funny, and I said, yeah, that's what I said. Let me preach while the people are fresh so they can receive. Then you have your hour, hour and a half song service, and everybody can jump around and do whatever they do. But when I get in preach, I just go home. And they said, well, that's a little cold. I said, no, no, that's not cold. It's the truth. We say we don't know what church is even supposed to be like anymore. And I, I hope when you leave here, and I'm not, and I'm not telling, again, if, we, if you if you somebody here that uh, can play the, the, the you know uh, the, the, the the piano, well, let us know here at break. You know, we'll be glad to let somebody play and somebody sing. Uh, that's just not part of our ministry, so there's no sense of me boring you with with me trying to sing. Uh, Donna can tell you how well it is. Uh, we have a dog that likes to howl a lot when I sing. <laughs> I thought he was in the spirit, but come to find out, he hurt his ears. I think you know. So, so as time goes by, you get the, you know, you get, you get, you get the thing. Now, now, God' uh, prayers go unanswered for numbers of reasons. It's not because God's changed His plan, but it's because we've we've not learned how to let the, let that power flow through us, and and that's the reason we need to realize that. In fifteen seven. And over here's the beginning of, of a lot of the, the the key with this thing. In fifteen seven of John, it simply says this, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now now here's the catch to this thing. Again, most of us get to believing that bless God, that all we gotta do is ask, and it's gonna happen. Well, no, that's again well, what we're missing about this thing is God has rules. God, there, there are certain things that you're going to do before, you know, before these things can take place. And the key here, this word abide means simply remain attached to. Now, listen if you read it this way. If ye remain attached in me and my words remain attached in you, and then maybe it would be nice to say, then ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Because that's what we need to understand. That the Word of God is going to want, it's going to have to remain attached. It's going to have to remain attached in us. Last night we talked a little bit about uh, uh, producing fruit as being one of the prerequisites of being able to ask and receive. Well, here's another one, is the fact that the Word is going to have to get in us, and it's going to have to do a job. Now, I pounded real hard last night, and I mentioned again this morning uh, uh, the same thing, that that what we're into is we are judgmental. We are unteachable. And when you become unteachable, the game's over. And now, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately for us as a church, we're a bunch of know-it-alls. We, and, and, and partly the reason because of that is because we've been in all the right meetings, right? I mean, I'll, oh, brother, I've been to brother, I've been to the mountain, I've been to brother such and such as church. And he said this, and that's the gospel, and that's all there is to it. Uh, well, that's fine that you've been there, but the fact of the matter is, we have had a lot of wrong teaching, a lot of wrong learning, and bless God, there's some of this stuff we're going to have to unlearn. And let me tell you something about unlearning. Unlearning is a lot tougher than learning. Because when you have to unlearn, you have to begin to rip out traditions. You know when Yeshua said, "But but it's by the traditions of man. It's by the traditions of man that that has run you." That's what he was saying to the to, to the to the ministry at that day. He said that has run you because you have you've you've got yourself wrapped up into their traditions. Now I don't know how many of you here know uh, very much about the orthodoxy the Orthodox Jews, but let me tell you what he was talking about there. They were so wrapped up into being sure that you only took so many steps from your home on Shabbat, okay, that that's what was more important than Shabbat. You understand what I'm saying? Orthodox, and orthodoxy, one and the same, is full of rules. That's all they have. They 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 don't have they don't have enough foggy idea about blessed God about the, about God's covenant than a man in the moon. But they know about rules. They know about the, the Talmud, and everything is a Talmud to them. Everything is, and all the Talmud is. Now listen closer to me, and then I'm going to make a statement behind it, so, so don't run out the door. All the Talmud is is. Paul and the Pauls or the Shaws, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees' opinion about God. That's what that is. And Paul was one of the greatest men that ever walked the face of this earth and one of the most anointed men. The problem with the Apostle Paul was simply this. People did not understand what he said. Back to what Peter said, you've got to watch Paul because he's so cockeyed smart. I love that word cockeyed, by the way. He's so cockeyed smart that he'll talk so far above your heads that you won't understand him. Here we are all these years later, almost 2,000 years, and bless God, we still misunderstood Paul. We think Paul was against the law. We think Paul was this and Paul was that. You ought to have seen the eyes when I was out in Detroit, south of Detroit, when I told them, I said, let me tell you something as an orthodox Jew. Paul took a vow when Paul became a Pharisee. And that vow was real simple. I will keep the commandments, and if I don't, I will, I will uh, allow myself to be stoned to death. They would have stoned him to death. And because Paul jumped ship, they, had, they were out to get Paul. They couldn't do nothing to Paul because Paul kept the law. And if you're dumb enough that you want to sit around and believe that Paul didn't keep the law, after listening to a Jew tell you the truth about it, then you just got to go ahead and be stupid. That's all I can tell you. But that's what's wrong with most of the church. You're running around out here trying to believe somebody to tell you something, doesn't know anything about what they're saying, and yet you're sitting there going, well, I've been to the mountain. That's what they said, so that's got to be the truth. The fact of it is that isn't the truth. Paul did not come against the law. Paul kept the law. He kept it to the kept it to the T. And bless God. And, and, and well, now I know what he said in Galatians, brother. Decker. No, you don't know what he said in Galatians. If you did, you wouldn't be stupid enough to let your mouth run off with it. And that's what's going on with a lot of the church today uh, against the Messianic movement. Well, I see. You know what? Here's some stories that, if you haven't heard, you're going to hear some of these stories come to you. Well, I see. Now you become a Jew and you no longer have Jesus. How many of us have heard that one? Amen. Sure, we have. Now, 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 now you you know now you don't you don't you don't have Jesus anymore. You become a Jew. <laughs> well, I love that. Stupidity is something when you see it all born at work, isn't it? Well, let's go. Let's go on. Now, uh, God seeks intimacy. is what God seeks. Okay, with His Word uh, remaining attached to us, and us being remaining attached to Him, we are going to find a place of, uh, of intimacy with Him. The word intimate simply means marked by a very close association. Developing through long association, causing a warm friendship. You can find that in, uh, in, uh, in, in your Webster's dictionary. Now, let me say it again. Intimate simply means marked by a very close association, developing through long association. Okay? Close and long, causing a warm friendship. God's power only flows through, uh, through this intimacy. And that's what it, that's what it flows through. All, all the seminars, the techniques, the outlines will not replace this reality. And there's no reason trying to think that it will. It's, it's how close you can get to God. And you know, one of the things that I, I, I when I got, got home and, and I began to pray last night, I, one of the things last night when, when some of you that, that, felt, that felt the angel that came through here, uh, one of the, see, that is an intimacy, that, that, that is something that, that bless God and, 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 and I, but try to understand I, I I'm giving you illustrations of my life not for you to think that I'm some great man of God I, I'll never go down in history as a great man of God. What I hope to be go down in history as is a child of God, okay uh, But I use those things so so that you can that you can relate to it. but you see when when I enter in, there's times when I'm on my on my face. Uh, laying prostrate on the floor, uh, seeking the face of God, that I feel what you felt, brother, when he when came down that aisle. I feel, I know, I know when the presence of God comes into the room, because I feel. I feel that, I feel that, that, that it's just there. The intimacy, the knowing that, that that God that you serve is in the same room with you. And we're going to talk that in, this afternoon about the difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifestation of the Spirit of God in your life and in your services, and there's a big difference in all this. Now, when, when we begin to understand that loving and obeying God is, is all that's necessary to Him working in us, that's all it is, loving and obeying Him. There isn't any tricks, there's not how many days that you got to serve, there's not how many church meetings you got to be in, there's not how many miles you go to be in the, the service on the mount or anything else. The fact of the matter is, brothers and sisters, it comes right down to loving and obeying. All right? Let's go to Galatians 3.5. Galatians 3.5. I want to take a a scripture from here. 3.5. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now what now? Now that that's pretty interesting. Isn't it? Now miracles happen not because we have believed all the right rules, but because we believe God. See again, the, the, did they keep the law? Was it, was it the law that called, caused Elijah to be able to call the fire down? No, 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 no. It was it wasn't that at all. It was the anointing that was in his life. That's the, that, that's what brought down. And and that it happened because what? Because he believed he 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 believed God. We deceive ourselves into thinking that we can move into God's power without effectively relating to Him in everyday worship, prayer and Bible study. See, we, we, we we get lazy with the things of God. When you become, when you get to the place, see, uh, that, 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 and I know we, I, I know what kind of a thing I struck here when I said, fast three days and three nights to come into the meeting this time. And, and and some of you, bless God. And some of you have never fasted. Some of you have fasted some. and Some of you hadn't fasted for a long time. But it is a key to this thing. What did Yeshua said? Because they came to him now. They see they fasted even before Yeshua came. Because remember when when the when the when the scribes came and they said, why is it that your disciples uh, Jesus doesn't uh, doesn't fast? And he said, well, he said because as long as the bridegroom is with them, but they don't need to. But he said soon. They, the bridegroom won't be here, and then they will fast. Then they will fast. So, you know, we, we get to thinking, and, and I'm going to tell you something. Folks, if you knew, if you had any idea in this world how little some of these these gods that the church have made some of these televangelists, how little that they fast and how little they pray and how little they study the Bible, you wouldn't bother turning the tube on. But you don't know that. Because you're... I'm, when I say you, I'm talking about the church. I don't mean you personally here. The church doesn't know that. We myself out out that one, didn't we? Because of the fact that, bless God, what is it? The theatrics. The theatrics. It's the footwork. You know, that's, See, that's the reason, and listen closely to me, that's the reason churches have a good song service, the flag wavers, the dancers... That's the reason all that goes on, because there ain't much going to happen after that. So if they can work you up into a frenzy, not the anointing, but a frenzy, bless God, then everybody can go home feeling good about themselves. Does that change your life? No, not one iota. Only the Word of God can and will change our lives. So what we've done, and I've been in in church services, I've been going to churches where they'll have... An hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes, in some cases I have seen two hours, a song, worship and praise. The minister come and give ten minutes of word. They pray, take up the offering, and go home. And everybody's raving about the wonderful church service that they have. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. When the day comes, now could I, could Donna and I have gone out and, and, and asked people to come in and done worship and praise there? Sure we could have. Did we? No, we didn't. Because I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound a little crude. I can eat a can of beans, take a tin pan and a wooden spoon, and make funny noises and beat on it and bring more anointing than most of those home services ever going to bring. I I know that's crude, but I'm telling you the truth. I have sat through those things. I have been bored. I have absolutely told the Lord I'm going home. I'm not even going to stay, and I've been the one sitting up in the big chair behind the podium. Then Lord, just tell me, I'll walk down off here, go back through that thing, take my Bible, and go home. No, you sit right there, and you stay right there. Get up there, and there's not. And, and if you can't bring that anointing back around, there's not going to be one. Now I've done this thing so many years, and honest to golly, you, you can bury the anointing in six foot of, of grave and put dirt on top of it, and I'll still resurrect it. And I know that at this point. But there was a time when I was young that I'm going to tell you something. I would rather take a whipping with a big stick than I had to go into that pulpit. Because they rent the anointing and I didn't know enough how to resurrect the thing to, to bring it back and get squat done. But I found out through the years that the, while they're doing what they're doing, I'm sitting there doing what I'm doing so I can go preach and so the people can still receive. But you know, again, don't wear the people out. Don't I go I go to a lot of churches, and, and I, a lot of people listen to my, my CDs and tapes now, and they're beginning to get the idea that, that brother. De- well, now, Brother Decker, we're going to do one or two songs, and we're going to turn this thing over to you, and I'm, I'm going, that'll be fine, if you want to skip the one or two songs, that'll be better, but go ahead and do them. And they're saying, well, well, there's got to be worship and praise. Let me tell you something. If you don't worship and praise God when you pray in your prayer closet, your prayer, this is your prayer closet, in your prayer closet, if you don't worship and praise God there, and the only time you can get anything out of worship and praise is when you go to church and the music gets loud, you miss God and you missed Him a long way. Because you see, that's not what intimacy's about. That's not, that, 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 that's not, what, that's not what loving God's about. You can, you can love God. And again, folks, I don't want you to misunderstand. I, I would love to have somebody come today. When the sister stood and sang last night, I, it was, I mean, that, that moved me. Because that, that that that's fine. I'm not saying dis, disregard that. I think what happened is that we what we did was we we took worship and praise and we, we 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 drug it all the way across the road and put it in the ditch over here. We need to bring it back and bring it into the middle of the road so it will work. But it, it's not going to be able to work until somebody can can discern and spiritually judge well enough to get the actors out of the way and let the true. Praise some worshipers that are anointed of God come forth. And you want to know something? I have been places where people could not sing, I carry a note that brought more anointing than the people that were in the the Philharmonic orchestra last week that tried to be in a church that did the same. See, it doesn't have anything to do with how beautiful it is. It has everything to do with touching the heart of God. See, and I and and I I don't know I don't know how to say that any other way than that. Now um, we we often deceive ourselves into thinking that we can move God's power without effectively relating ourselves to Him. As I said, and and, and you can't do that. You've got to be you got to be rightly related to God through His Word, through prayer, through fasting. Uh, that that that's where He purifies us. He equips us. He fills us with His presence. So we don't have to live our lives out of our own resources. And that's what most of us try to do, is try to live our lives out of our own resources. It just doesn't work that way. If, if we won't come to, to this revelation, I'm going to tell you something. We shouldn't complain when our prayers don't seem to move God. Because you see, we have been to all the right, again, the right, the right, the right seminars, the right booklets, the right seven steps to heaven as I'm always saying, and it just frankly it didn't work. I mean we went through the thing. I, I remember going. I remember being young before I was in ministry and I and I, and somebody would something come up and I'd say, Boy, I'm going to that thing. I, I you know I'm going and I'd often go and not even have the money to be going, and I'd go and I'd get there and I'd be all excited about it and I'd go, Oh and you know what it didn't change my life a bit. I'd come home and I'd go the next spend the next two or three months. Now I gotta see. And every day I gotta do step one, and every day I gotta do step two, do step three, and I'd you go through all that stuff and you wanna know something? The end of three months I was worse off than it was because I spent all my time doing that, not seeking God. Somebody say amen. amen. This thing is not something that you can put in a bottle and sell. It is a personal relationship that will be different than the relationship that I have or the people sitting next to you will have with God. It is your relationship with God. And what God does in you is the way that God is going to move you. You know, when when I get talking uh, and get into the areas and teaching in the areas that and I spoke somewhat about it last night is what God has to do is find a way. After you get yourself rightly hooked up to Him, then He'll begin to find a way that He can communicate with you. He will find a way. Now that way will be drawn down into into into, into probably a, a category that will go. He will the small still voice that we often hear. An audible voice, which some people are, 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 have God deal with them with uh, dreams and, and visitations, or, or, or open visions, or even closed visions, and, and that's the way God. But He has to find a way that you know that He is communicating with you. Now, let me let, let me let me tell you, I, I got I got shaved and I, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and. And I've been going to the Methodist Church ever since I was a boy, but I was never saved. And I got into a, bless God, a charismatic movement. And I went to a service where a fellow was a race car driver that drove with the, back in the time with Al Unzer and the Unzer brothers. And I forget what the other brother was named, but anyway. And anyway, he was a race car driver. He contracted cancer and he was sent home to die. The Lord God visited him and he lived. And he said the Lord anointed him and told him to become a preacher, and he did. And, and I'm going, wow, here's a guy that's not a queer. I'm going to say that again. I, I, somehow, I, I didn't see pastors as real men. Can I, can I say this again? Somehow, I didn't see pastors as real men. The pastors that I happen to know... They had never been out amongst the blood, the mud, and the beer. Some of you sitting here know exactly where that's at because that's where I came from. I knew what the world was because I lived over there full time, had a granny that would call me up and in my drunken stupid uh, stupors and say, "That's okay, Tommy, you're going to be the prophet that God made you to be."
0: <laughs>
2: granny, I don't want to hear any more of that, and stop praying for me <laughs> Well, you know how grannies are. I mean, <laughs> a pain in the rump
0: <laughs>
2: when it comes to that prayer business. But it works, doesn't it? But I remembered, and I, I and I had a personal relationship, and I met the man because I, I I saw a guy that was not the preachers I knew had. They went to Bible school and become preachers, and most
1: of them talked kind of high and kind of funny and. <laughs> Oh, golly gee, I'll be over for dinner tomorrow.
2: And I'm a man. I saw David as a man. I saw Elijah as a man. I didn't see him as some tiptoe through the tulip queer. Didn't see him that way. And I wasn't going to spend my time sitting under something less than a man. And I swore to the God that I serve at that time, which is the world, that I wouldn't do that. And I still won't today. The fact of it is, the matter is that God has had to go out. You know what God told me? He said, "Son, He said things are going to change." Because I kept saying to the saying to the Lord, I said, "Why, why are those those people? Why'd you put them in those pulpits? They're not real men." He said, "I didn't put them there." Listen to me, He said, "I didn't put them there." And He said, "Listen to me further. If I have to go out into which I am doing, and you're one of." into the highways and the hedges, and I've got to take the drunks, the whores, the heroin addicts, and I've got to bring them and I've got to uh, and save them and cleanse them and deliver them, fill them with my spirit and put them in those holy pulpits to work the works of God. My works, I will do it. And that's exactly what he's done. And that's what he'll continue to do. Because I'm going to tell you something. Till you've lived out in that world, you 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 don't have you don't have no idea what's going on. If you've been protected all your life and you haven't been out there, then you don't know what that's all about, and you can't deliver a drug addict unless you've been on drugs. I, I'm a deliverance preacher. I've never been on drugs, so I don't know anything about drugs. But you know what I do when I find people that bless God that, have, that need counsel have been on drugs. I find an ex druggy. I find somebody that bless God that used the needles. God set free from them. And I'm going to tell you something. If you know people that are on drugs that can't get free, you bring them into this deliverance ministry, and I'll guarantee you the hand of God will deliver them, and they'll walk out those doors clean. And I keep saying that's what we're, we're you're talking about having a revival. That's where we need to have a revival, folks. We need to quit worrying about this thing running out here and trying to get Joey, what a, a long fellow, whatever his name is, down the road saved. Now, it's all right to get them saved, but the fact of it is, what are, you, what are you going to do about Do you realize the hundreds and hundreds of people that are within a square mile of where you live that are hooked on drugs? This meth stuff they can't get unhooked from. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. You need to go out. Somebody needs to have me come in their city. They need to have nothing, nothing but drug addicts there. Nothing but them there. You want to talk about revival? You want to talk about them getting delivered and going bringing the next hundred in? They'll do it overnight. That's what this thing's about, folks. It's not out here trying to force a bunch of people into believing the same sweet Jesus that you believe. It is through the demonstration of the power of deliverance. That's what is going to bring people into the kingdom. It's not through your talk. It's not through your, bless God, your energy of running up down the street. And it's sure not through giving money to get the Jews saved over in Jerusalem.
1: Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing, taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material, because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. The same food, we eat here